This episode is a little different. Chris has a reunion with one of his old bosses, Rod Jimenez, who is the CEO of SHR. Rod was someone who showed Chris early in his career what love as a business strategy could look like. And we have a great time walking down memory lane between the two of them. We also, however, talk about the tougher side of love, and we discuss Chris's exit from the company and the impression that it left on him. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Love as a Business Strategy, a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace. We're here to talk business, but we want to tackle topics that most business leaders shy away from. And we believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every successful business. I am your host, Jeff Ma, and I'm joined today by my co-host and co-author, Chris Petrie. Hey, Chris, how is it going? Hey, Jeff. Hey, listeners or watchers. Chris, each episode, as you know, we dive into one element of business and strategy or meet an interesting person, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And we always like to test our theory of love against it. And today we have a very special guest, someone who's special to you specifically. So I'm actually going to let you introduce our guest today, Chris. Yes. No, it is without further ado that I want to welcome Rod Jimenez. He is the CEO of SHR. Um, So they are a a technology provider for the hotel industry, and they focus really on the revenue generation side of that technology stack. So I actually used to work for Rod years ago, earlier in my career. Um, So I got to know him personally and professionally, um, followed his leadership. And he was actually one of the first leaders that showed me what it means to really practice love as a business strategy. There was never a single day I would walk into the office where we weren't embracing a culture of love, uh, enjoyment, you know, tough love, feedback, laughter, you know, all the things. And it was such a great environment to have early in my career. And it really set the tone for my belief system and how I operate when it comes to my everyday. So I am so happy to be talking here with Rod. I've missed him greatly, but I'm happy to have him as a guest. I can't wait for him to share some of his learnings, but also his philosophies on things because Again, um, he set the tone for me. And so hopefully our listeners get a chance to listen and learn more about, you know, things that they can do in their businesses, regardless of what industries they operate in. Welcome to the show, Rod. Great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the discussion. And I I really should also congratulate you guys on, on your book. Uh, I'm enjoying it. Um, and uh, it's good to see Chris and how he's all grown up now when he started working for us he was he was barely a kid so uh, that makes me an old man no it makes you young at heart um (laughs) but um i think i think our audience should know that we had a very special relationship at shr because one of the things that i was really known for in the office was planning elaborate jokes and pranks on people 
And Rod would help me in executing these <laughs> pranks and these jokes on our, our, you know, unsuspecting team members. But it was all done out of a place of love. But it made every day in the office, especially birthdays, um, some of the most fun days because we went all out when it came to helping people feel special or if not uh, insulted on their birthdays, depending <laughs> on how you look at it. Um, but mm -hmm. we had so much fun and it was just, you know, um, always great to have a leader who was willing to to go there with you and then have the team sort of like just have barrels of laughs afterwards. So it was fun. <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 I mean, it, the, the interesting thing is that some of those things last for a long time. They become memories. And, and for a company, when we, when we talk about, and I'm sure we'll get into it, and, and, um, and you guys talk about that in, in your book about what culture is, right? And so it's this whole, that, that's, that's part of the collection of, of memories that become part of the 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 history of the company and what get passed on and so somebody new comes in and i think even to this day there are folks that are still with us that were there when you were there and occasionally that comes up you know it's like oh man those you know <laughs> elaborate birthday you know celebrations or elaborate <clears throat> jokes like you said and that they become part of uh, the the culture of the company and and they really it it just I, I think one of the key things in that is that they also provide the ability to get to know people right I mean because mm -hmm. if you're gonna do that you need to know what makes them tick you need to know what the limits are you need to know what they're into you need to know what they like and so it's a, in an indirect way it gives you a, a really interesting window into somebody's life. If you're going to, if you're going to create something, if you're going to, if you're going to go out of the way to create something really funny or really yeah. impactful. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, it takes me back. So there was one um, specific, um, I guess guy, uh, Adam, um, he was new to Twitter and he was like posting <laughs> about like buying some snake boots in my head. I thought snake skin boots. And so I was, I, you know, I came up and I was like, I didn't realize you were that into fashion. Like, that's interesting that you got some snakeskin boots. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, you posted that you bought some snake boots. And he's like, I'm talking about going hunting snake boots. And I was like, oh, well, I thought you thought about <laughs> I thought you meant snakeskin boots. So for his birthday, I bought a fabric, a big fabric, sheet of fabric of snakeskin, and we hung it all around his office and like sort of had all these snakeskin accessories. And it was just, you know, this explosion of snakeskin. And that was really hilarious. And then I think Anatoly's birthday, he had this, there was this rapper with his last name that was like promoted on uh, MySpace at the time. And, yeah. you know, everybody used to tease him about being sort of this low-key rapper that nobody knew about. So on his birthday, we had this album release party. And because he was a developer, <laughs> the album had songs that related to development that were sort of retitled from pop songs. So we, like, did all these crazy things. And we would, like, plan all these elaborate things to make sure that they felt special. <laughs> Although it was connected to an inside joke that was based off of Shade a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of those, I forgot about those. I mean, some of those you needed to know. If you just sort of got there that day, you you couldn't get it, right? You need yeah. you needed to be part of it and you need needed to understand sort of yeah. the 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 little uh 
pieces underneath the very elaborate um, <laughs> celebration to call it yeah. that. Yeah, hearing the stories recollected already because that vibe of just like a really close kind of family get togethers and things like that, those kind of the familial kind of engage engagements and relationships. And that's, it's exciting. I, I really wanted to spend this episode actually doing two things. I wanted to talk about Rod, you and the business and kind of, of course, the culture around the business and your philosophy around that. And then, you know, it's kind of a show um, about Chris as well. I think this is an opportunity to dig more into what you guys are talking about here and really uncovering for the audience what it is that made it special for you, Chris, and and kind of what that what that looks like carrying forward. So those are like the two main things I want to talk about today. And and we we jumped into it so fast, I almost forgot to do what we always do, which is oh, our icebreakers. Right. I feel like I feel like the ice is broken, but I'm not going to break <laughs> tradition today. So we're going to go into a quick icebreaker, Chris. I'll make you go first, and and Rod, you'll have the same question. Chris, what's your favorite meal to cook, and why? So um, some people might believe it's gumbo, but that's even though I'm great at cooking it, it's not my favorite thing to cook. My favorite thing to cook is something that's fast. So I love scrambling eggs um, mm. because eggs are the thing that I could eat at any time of the day, any day of the week, forever for the rest of my life, as long as they're cooked to perfection. And so um, many people who have traveled with me where we've had kitchens or access to kitchens knows that when I scramble eggs, it's, it's, it's perfect every time. Because my grandfather my, taught me. That was my second <laughs> guess. I did guess gumbo. Dang. <laughs> Rod, same question. Wow. What is your, what is your favorite it. meal to cook? That's oh, interesting, sorry. Chris. I I I consider myself a very good scramble scrambled egg uh, cook. So we we have to put that to the test. But whoa. Um, as far as as far as I mean, like right now, my favorite thing to cook is. Um, pork tenderloins on the big green egg. I'm a big green egg yeah. um, fan. And yeah. um, so right now that's my favorite thing to throw on there. And it's so easy and it, you know, it always makes me look good. And I do, I, I really do very little to it. Just, it's mm -hmm. just making sure the temperature is right and the timing is right. And then it just comes out perfect. <laughs> nice. So I'm always afraid of uh, the big green egg um, users because it, it feels like a cult sometimes when you, when they talk about it. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't want to question or dig into anything that might have you think that I'm coming after the big green egg. <laughs> I've only heard great things and typically someone's trying to get me to buy it off of that one conversation or that inquiry. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm glad that you have perfected pork tenderloins on it. Yeah, you, you need oh. one. <laughs> oh man okay i'm gonna kick it off on that first thing i was talking about rod i'm gonna bring it i'm gonna reel us back a little bit i really want to hear rod just um tell me about you uh you know at a high level your your passion and then bring that into shr tell us about shr as well um yeah so Let's see. So I, I, you know, my my background is interesting in the sense that you know I I didn't grow up in in the U.S. I grew up in Colombia in in South America. Uh, I lived there until I was eighteen. Um, came here to go to school, uh, but 
you know, married a native Houstonian. And so when you marry a Texan, you stay in Texas for the rest of your life. Uh, and so uh, I, I now have lived here longer than, than I lived in Colombia. So um, it's kind of an interesting thing. And, you know, my kids uh, grew up here. We, we, we don't go very often. I don't have a lot of family, but, but when you spend 18 years on your life there, there are things there that shape you, you know, forever. Right. And so there are things in that culture that, that are great. And that it has to do with, uh, relationships and the importance of that. And so I, um, I am a, a, a Christian. And so that also, uh, is yet another aspect of my life that put, puts relationships at the center um, of, of life and uh, how that then translates into leadership. And early on, you know, I started my career in banking. And so very much sort of driven by uh, a mentality of, okay, how quickly can I ascend? How much money can I make? Um, and sort of that being the primary focus of things. Things worked out in a very interesting way. And, you know, a very good friend of mine, of mine um, Jim Whitney had started a, a company. And then uh, I was, I was as, I, as I mentioned, I was working for, for a bank he had left NASA to start a company that he called Webvertising. And so we were in touch about everything that was going on there. And at, at one point we decided that the company needed some funding and I was gonna help with that. And then that turned into me joining uh, the, the, the company full-time and investing in it. And so that really all of a sudden uh, gave me a whole new opportunity to do things in a very different way, right? All of a sudden, we, I went from not worrying about just about anybody else but me to, to realizing that, wow, whether or not we're able to issue paychecks to the folks that we had in this very small team at the beginning of, of the process, and it was, uh, it was actually... Uh, Jim Whitney, myself, and my brother-in-law, Derek Cameron. And so we had this very, um, I, I would call it, I mean, how I wasn't even 30 years old, I think, when, or maybe, maybe just 30, um, somewhere around there. <clears throat> and and so, so in a way, you could call us idealistic, right? And so we, we had this vision from the very beginning of creating a place where things would go beyond just profits and that, that it would be a place where people could relate to each other and grow together and where politics would not be present and all of that. And, you know, that's nearly impossible, but because we're all humans, right? And, and, we, and we have flaws and those come through when tension uh, when tensions get high, but 
but it was a good aspirational thing. Um, and so that, that was my, my sort of um, very early leadership development crash course, right? I mean, it's like having to say, okay, how, how are we gonna lead? How are we going to achieve what we wanna achieve from a business point of view, but at the same time, not sort of only make it about, make it a living, right? That everybody can say, you know, hey, I know this about making a living, but it's also making a life and not forgetting that. So very early on, I, I started thinking about leadership from the perspective of servant leadership. And uh, Ken Blanchard is one of my favorite um, authors on that topic. And um, I, I remember going to a, uh, an EO um, conference way back in the day, probably right around the time, Chris, when, when um, you came in, because uh, I remember Chris Schilling right was the yes. the guy that introduced mm -hmm. us and i yes. think he was part of eo at that time also and so i remember going to that conference and and um ken blanchard was the speaker and he did this huge presentation about uh servant servant leadership and i i was just taking crazy notes and it was the first time when it, it i really understood what was meant by that, right? And a lot of people think about that and it's like, oh, that's touchy-feely, soft, non-accountable, you know, that kind of thing. And it's really, the, the thing is that you've got the traditional sort of pyramid of hierarchy in an organization. And that is still the case in servant leadership when it comes to the vision. You've got to be, Somebody has to be a visionary. Somebody has to cast that vision. Somebody has to have the, the, the ability to communicate it and create passion in a team for that vision. But once that is out there, once that there is, one, once there is conviction about it, that pyramid can flip upside down. And then that leader now needs to be focused on allowing everybody else in the organization to do what they are good at and what they are able to do when they're self-managed, self-initiating and, and free to do the things that you hire people to do as opposed to micromanage, overdirect and sort of helicopter everything, right? So at that point, your job switches from that top-down vision caster to a bottoms up, how can I help? How do, what obstacles do I remove? Where do I give encouragement? Uh, where, where do I give guidance? So, so guidance, yes. Training, yes. Advice, yes. Management, if you're hiring the right people and you're empowering them the right way, you don't have to do a lot of quote unquote management, right? And so that's, that's how we started doing things. So, so again, uh, probably around the time that, that, uh, that Chris became part of Whiteboard Labs, which is sort of the same for, for our company. Um, 
after after we went through we we ended up selling the the, the primary application that that uh, web advertising had created and then you know then after going to the acquirer for a while we sort of regrouped and created whiteboard labs and that's around the time that that Chris was with us and and we were actually in the process of building that that new application um, and to re-enter the market after a non-compete. And so so it was a very tense period of time. Uh, we we were a startup, we we uh, we were launching a, a brand new product and we were sort of building our own runway with the revenue that we were getting from just doing projects uh, for other people while in parallel, we were building this application that we were going to own and we were going to launch to market. So it was a, it's a very high tension period in, the, in, in our history. But I think that that's sort of what allowed us that, that, that philosophy and that approach to uh, management is what allowed us to go through you know, all of those sort of ups and downs, which, you know, tend to be sort of the, the normal history. It's, a, it's an emotional roller coaster all the time. And so if you derive your worth and your self-esteem uh, out of how a day goes, you're going to go crazy, right? So you've got to have something anchoring you that's that's outside of what others think of you or what a client thinks of your product or what an investor thinks about your pitch. And so I think that provided that stability that allowed us to keep going and, and keep pushing. And then the kinds of things that, that Chris was talking at the beginning, that, that, that ability to laugh and not take yourself seriously or too seriously and, and really creating in, in, in learning about each other, you're creating the ability or you're getting passport to say, hey, dude, you need to you need to do the right thing here. And I'm and I'm I'm going to feel um, um, empowered or, or with the freedom to do that, even when it's uncomfortable, because there is safety in the fact that, A, we've gone through a lot together and B, we know that ultimately we're we're pulling in the same direction and we want the same ultimate outcomes and i respect you and i appreciate you as a person that doesn't mean that i can that i cannot disagree with you professionally or that i cannot say hey you committed to this and you didn't deliver on that commitment and you know again the, the right people when you have the right people you have people that are obsessed with not missing their commitments and so they're 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 also then very careful uh with what they commit to because you have to be able to deliver on that so anyway that long answer but that's that's sort of the <laughs> the, the the early part of my career and how that approach to to uh to management and, and relationships in the workplace, kind of how it, it came about. It came about of, you know, out of necessity of saying, 
you know, how do we do this? <laughs> you know, how, <laughs> how, how do we, how do we keep saying, how do we keep people, you know, passionate about what we're trying to do and, and how do we create something that is lasting? Yeah. No. And I, I, I remember, <clears throat> Cause I started as a contractor for whiteboard labs. So I was like a freelance copywriter. Yes. I was a copywriter back in the day. Um, and I remember, <laughs> uh, thank you for the compliments. My <laughs> listeners would love to learn about my abilities, so I'm not going to stop you. Um, <laughs> but I remember because we, I, I had actually just gotten laid off. And so I started to do contract work and Rod was one of the early clients. And then like literally within, I think three months of working together, you guys mm -hmm. asked me to join and you know, the rest is history. But I remember like always enjoying going into the office because it was always this like high energy. And then when I started, it was you know, sort of, <clears throat> this is where I, Jeff, Jeff knows my onboarding experience at Softly. This was where my expectations have been set for onboarding because when I walked in, my laptop was there. My business cards were, had already been ordered and were sitting at my desk. Like it was like they knew and were ready for me on my first day. And, you know, they had set up all of these trainings for me and all these conversations. And I was like, thank you. Like, I, I'm not that awkward person that's walking around trying to ask people where to go or what to do or, you know, you know, et cetera. And so there's a joke at Softly because we, if you read the book, <laughs> I didn't have the best onboarding experience, yeah. <laughs> but it's because I had my expectations set at Whiteboard Labs. And I, I rarely share that with the Softly team because I don't want them to feel like they were operating at a deficit. But, you know, that was sort of the, um, the benchmark that I had and the pedestal that I had around first day experiences. So that's where all the things that we do at Softway originated from is actually the way that I was treated my first day at Whiteboard. Yeah. And and you got there when we had already figured that out, right? I mean, <laughs> we yeah. we definitely have some folks that would say, I walked in and you know, my supervisor wasn't there, right? And so we had some <laughs> of those experiences where it's like, yeah, we didn't know who you are, and, you know, and so uh, then then we really we really that in particular very early on, and we do it today. It is taking the onboarding super seriously, even even if possible, having the the business cards already printed, uh, you know. Um, T-shirts, you know, mugs, you know, your your desk set up, your computer set up, and and more than anything, so that when you show up, the person that you're going to work with and your team are there that week, right? I mean, we we made the mistake uh, with with the person that we hired that literally the entire team was traveling, and so we we made we we sort of picked this starting date. And then they showed up and there was like their entire team wasn't there. And so, so you imagine uh, spending your first day at work, you have all of these expectations um, and, 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 and you don't, you, you come home to, let's say if you're married to your wife or to your husband and they say, how was it? You go, it was awful. You know, that's, that's just, that was just the nightmare that started playing in our head. So we actually even 
for a while. We don't do this anymore. Um, I, don't, I don't know exactly why, but but <clears throat> for a while we, if if the person was married or or uh, and and we knew about it, then we would send flowers to their wife, you know, and and say this is this is really we know that Joe or whoever is is that this was a big decision and we assume he didn't take this decision alone so we appreciate the trust that you're you know giving us by supporting your husband your wife whoever in coming to work for us um so so first days are are huge and it's sort of you know in in those moments of truth in in your history with the company i think they rank way up there right if you if you if you want somebody to go home and again the person that's there when they get home is like wow how was it and if if they go it was amazing you know it that's that that's that's the goal right when they go it's like i'm blown away i'm 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 so excited this is this was the right decision um and so you know, super, super, super important. Uh, yeah. We, yeah. we probably, um, and it's, it's, it's very easy to, to ignore or sort of like take for granted and just do it, you know, in a, oh yeah, just as, as long as they show up and they know where to sit then fine, you know, <laughs> but I think it's, it's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, speaking on that topic, I think the first day is a really critical day, but also the last day is a super mm -hmm. critical day. And when you think about love as a business strategy, typically most people assume that we're only talking about the highlights, the positive moments, the great things that happen. And rarely do mm -hmm. we, you know, talk about sort of the, the tough side of sort of an employee life cycle, which is the last day of employment. Um, and I'm sure everyone has figured out I am no longer at SHR or Whiteboard Labs, <laughs> right? So let's talk about it because I want to address sort of an, an honesty about having to leave and exit an organization, especially when it's not your choice as an employee. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, for those that are listening, Rod was the person who had to communicate to me that I was going to be sort of ending my time with um, Whiteboard Labs and it was due to financial pressure. So this was, again, the economic downturn of 2008, 2009 in that time frame. Um, and, you know, Rod had to make some tough calls and tough decisions. Before that, he had done everything possible and communicated that to prevent that. And I'm going to tell the story, then you can chime in, Rod. I'm going to, mm -hmm. I'm going to speak for you a little bit so that listeners can yeah. sort of understand my perspective and, and what I saw happen. Um, and so... Prior to that day, um, months before that day, um, we were shared with, like Rod came and shared the financials of the organization and said, it is not looking good, you guys. Like, this is not a pretty picture, but I will be transparent throughout this process, you know, and as a part of that, we had to make some tough calls. So rather than, you know, just immediately start letting people go, we're going to start implementing pay cuts. And we're going to cut back on our contribution to, you know, health insurance, because I think everybody was covered 100 um, percent before the mm -hmm. financial crisis hit. And we had to make that call to sort of reduce that. And that meant that 
not only were people getting a pay cut from their actual base pay, but they were also having to pay for part of their insurance coverage. Right. And so that was a town hall meeting and we all got there. Right. And it was a sobering moment, but it was one where we said, you know what, we're going to make the best of the situation. We're still going to be positive. We're still going to face these headwinds and we're going to come out strong. Right. So it was great conversation, great meeting. And we go forward. Right. A couple of weeks later, things still aren't improving. But Rod is, I'm sure, behind the scenes. Again, I wasn't a part of leadership at, at, at in that time. So I'm sure that there were a lot of conversations and a lot more sacrifices that weren't revealed to us. But now being in that seat, I can tell you definitely there were, <laughs> um, <laughs> but get to the place where months later, you know, he invites me to Starbucks, right? And I'm like, okay, that's, that's interesting, right? And I think, I think <laughs> I was like, Rod, what are we meeting at Starbucks for? <laughs> right? um, and also, I should say, in this time frame, a crazy um, hurricane hit Houston and tore up our office that was on the fifth, the top floor of a building, which typically you would expect flooding but or tornado touchdown and sort of tore up our roof and flooded our space. So we were without an office as well as facing sort of economic pressures and financial pressures. So everything that could go wrong went wrong, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like it was a crazy year. Um, but anyway, fast forward to this invitation to Starbucks. And, you know, beforehand I was, I, I've always been taught like, don't just walk up into a meeting and not know what it's about. <laughs> so I was like, hey, Rod, um, what are we talking about at Starbucks? <laughs> and, you know, I remember he, he had to like write back, like, unfortunately, it's not good news, but I wanted to you know, talk to you in person. It was something that affects. We get to Starbucks and, you know, we sit down and, you know, Rod starts crying and he explains the situation and that he's done everything he can and, you know, this was a tough conversation for him to have and a tough decision to make. But unfortunately, he had to let me go. So he wanted to just give me a two week heads up. And he said, I want to be here for you. I want you to go and start looking for a job while you're still employed with me. And I want to be the first reference that you give them in case they need that for your consideration. And so that was what we sort of agreed to. And then he let me decide, do you want to go back to the team? Do you like, do you get to sort of tell me how you want to operate on this? Um, and I decided that I still wanted to be around the team for the last remaining weeks, even though I was going to be in and out for interviews. And so that was how we sort of arranged it. And then from there, mm -hmm. I was able to go sort of say bye to the team, but still sort of end on that positive note. I, we were jokesters, right? So we, we were still cracking jokes. We were like... Everything that we did prior to that conversation remained until the very last day of my employment. And even to this day, if I were to go and hang out with Sally, hey, Sally, <laughs> hopefully she listens to this. <laughs> um, yeah. Sally is still there with SHR, but, you know, can she still is. go back and pick up right where we left off, can still have those conversations, can still reminisce. Um, but I think it's really important that when we talk about love as a business strategy, it is not take us away from tough decisions. It does not mean that you do not have situations that require some really um, hard and difficult exits. Um, and it doesn't mean that you, um, that I think you, ha you have to sort of operate outside of the culture that you've built, even in those environments. So I think some, some organizations feel you have to become stiffer, you have to become sort of rigid and compliant and all of these other things that take that already difficult conversation and difficult experience into a place of inhuman sort of being inhumane or being so corporate and cold that all of a sudden it just comes across as sort of this you know what were we doing for the past few years of 
like we're now playing a corporate. So I just mm -hmm. wanted to sort of bring that out because this is a rarely discussed topic in general, but especially in the context of something so positive like love as a business strategy, dealing with that sort of side of it. But I wanna to talk to you, Rod, about like, what has been your approach when it comes to the exit side of this, you know, sort of strategy, but also I'm pretty sure there's been more exits than just me <laughs> since, you know, I've left, but I'm pretty sure that there are learnings that happen every single time. Yeah. And that is one of the toughest, uh, toughest things to do. And I, I mean, I still remember having that conversation and, and, you know, I, I think, I always considered your work of tremendous quality. Uh, it, it was a position we needed. Uh, you know, you were our marketing everything, right? I mean, so you, you were our marketing department back then. Um, and so, and, and I, I remember going back to, to as, as, you, as you related that, I can picture in my head that conference room where we were, in a borrowed office at Burns and McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. um, and, uh, and, and I remember that our rationale was, well, how do, we, how do we deal with this? As you said, 2008 financial crisis, then Ike hits, then we're losing our projects that we're paying for our runway. We had commitments to deliver this new application we were building, um, then, our building gets hit, <clears throat> our servers get wet because you know the roof comes off. Uh, we still have a t-shirt hanging in our office that says we survived 2009. And it's full of all of the things that happened during that year that were all bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wet servers, out, no office, uh, financial crisis, you know, all it, it's full of, you know, all the things that happened. And, and we gave that to our staff during our first staff meeting of 2010. But when when things got really difficult, we initially we said, like, like Chris mentioned, you know, what else can we do before we lay anybody off? And, and the guiding uh, framework was, well, what do we what do we go by? And we said, well, you know, what about our values, right? And so it's our values, our stated values were and continue to be integrity, service, teamwork, and creativity and resourcefulness, right? And so, so we said, well, let's, if not that we always did this, but we, we will continue having integrity and, and, and transparency in terms of saying, here's where we are. These are, these are the numbers. And I think when we had that meeting, we had like three months of runway, right? So something had to happen. Uh, and, and so, and then we said, well, what about teamwork, right? I mean, we could do this as a team. So then depending on where you were in the organization, uh, your salary cut was <clears throat> uh, higher than, than the, the rest of the organization and all that. And so, um, and, and so, so we said, okay, that, that's how we're going to guide what we're going to do. And then things just kept getting worse and worse until we, we were like, okay, you know, there is, there is no other way here. 
we we've got to we've got to let um, <clears throat> some folks go and hope that we can hire them back. And so uh, it wasn't a situation where you know there was redundancy or we didn't we didn't need that function anymore. It was a purely you know out of need type of um, decision. And so, but the the important thing was, like you said, Chris, is, you know, out of integrity, it's like, do we behave differently now that things are hard? And, you know, that was an, that was a, a tough, tough conversation. And, and, you know, every time I've had a conversation like that has been very, very difficult. We, we went through recently through a, a, a round of layoffs as a result of COVID, you know, being in the hotel industry, our, our clients were closing. We, to give you an idea, our, our revenues in April of 2020 were almost, went down almost to 10% of what April of 2019 had been. You know, obviously, you know, different scale. We had, you know, a, a, a much uh, healthy, a much healthier cushion and all that. But even with all of that, when you look at that type of revenue reduction, you know that you've got to do something very proactively or it's going to be even worse, right? And so so I think we we approach things the same again. You know, I, you know, I thought it was never going to happen happen again but but here we were and we said well we've done this before here's here's the blueprint and so we we use transparency and and integrity and communications we share the pain and and then we worked as a team to come up with you know what other things can we do to reduce costs to increase revenue and there were you know all kinds of ideas coming in in terms of well we could we could pivot and start doing this or that and and so anyway bottom line is we had to we had to do that and we in and we had you know conversations which with each one of those people the majority of them you know thankfully we've been able to bring back um and so but again i i, I like what you said about this integrity of behavior that if you behave a certain way when things are good then it's going to be total cognitive dissonance for anybody to say, wait a minute, who am I? Who is this person that all of a sudden gets all corporate corporate on me and sends me an email saying that, sorry, you know, you've been made redundant and your things are going to be in a box and just come pick them up, right? Uh, yeah. I, I just that that just I just cringe when I think about um, and I know that there are all kinds of situations right and and mm-hmm. and there are that spectrum of of situations from you know total misbehavior or you know whatever which hopefully mm-hmm. you don't experience if you have a good you know <laughs> recruiting and onboarding process but but then but then it all it's also the fact that organizations evolve Mm -hmm. right and so somebody that 
could have been the perfect marketing person for the company during this stage. Now, the, if the company gets to a new level and the, the needs of the company and the environment that, that will allow that person to continue to grow is no longer there, then you've got to be having that conversation also. And at some point, the best thing for the organization and the best thing for that person may be for that person to continue to grow outside of the organization. And so if, but if those things are not being talked about before they happen, then that surprise is, is a terrible negative, right? It's like, wait a minute, mm -hmm. I, you know, what, what do you mean I'm not, you know, what the company needs during this next stage, right? What do you mean my 10 years of loyalty to the company don't mean anything, right? And so, but, but those conversations and being very frank about, you know, where, where that person needs to go and, and, and how they need to evolve to continue to be a, a productive part of the team need to be happen, happening all the time. And I think as a company, we, we take a position when it comes to leadership, for example, if we, we want to be, in, and we're working hard on this, we're not there yet, but we want to be an organization that has a leadership pipeline that creates leaders that create leaders. And at some point, somebody's going to get to a point in their uh, development where they say, you know what? I have bigger leadership skills than what's needed here. And I'm ahead of the company in my own growth. And so is the company going to be supportive of my going out and being a great alumni of, of the company somewhere else? And then, you know, creating lasting relationships. Like, you know, I think I, you and I were talking uh, the other day that the, the, the fact that we had those conversations and that your departure happened the way it did, it allowed us to, it's not like I'm, if I saw you, you know, at the mall or something, I was like, oh, there comes Chris. I don't, you know, I'm embarrassed. I was like, no, it's, hey, Chris, big hug, all that. You know, you guys did a project for us when you were, you know, uh, once you once you were at Softway and we needed, you know, a, a video, a video yeah. uh, it created to you for uh, references when, when I'm, when we're looking for someone. Uh, and so that, so that relationship is, you know, it's bigger than a point in time where two people work at the same place. Right. And so, mm -hmm. um, but, but right. probably the, one of the most difficult things in, in leadership is walking that walk, even in the midst of those types of really difficult circumstances. Yeah. No, and I remember <clears throat> in those time, like in that day where we had that difficult conversation, um, sometimes the reactions are negative, not because you did the, the sort of incorrect thing or you didn't sort of treat people well. It's just because people are emotional creatures and they get yeah. upset, right? And I just remember in that moment in my sort of 20-something-year-old brain, like thinking like, man, I'm sorry, Rod had to have that conversation, but I completely understand. And I, I rationalized on your behalf without you having to explain why you need to make the decision. 
which is rare, right? And I might hit her like to my own horn, but that was something I remember like, man, I'm sorry Rod had to have that really hard conversation. Like, you mm -hmm. know, hopefully, you know, whiteboard is successful. And this is an attitude that it takes to any previous employer is that I don't care how, how bad of an experience I might have had or if there was a bad situation that happened in the midst of so many great things. I always want them to be successful because they will always be on my resume, <laughs> right? Like yeah. you don't want your previous employers to go down in flames, yeah. right? Like it, it, it doesn't do anything for your resume. In fact, it, it sort of undervalues or devalues your resume. So uh, I remember and am still one of the biggest fans of SHR, Whiteboard Labs and um, it goes a long way to be able to talk about something as sort of deep and personal and something rarely discussed as being let go um, involuntarily from an organization and still having relationships, still being able to wish people well, still be able to crack jokes and laugh, but also still have professional ties where we can work together, we can do things, I can come and speak at your event, you can come and speak at our podcast. Um, mm -hmm. And and I think that many sort of listeners here should understand that an exit doesn't have to be a goodbye. An exit yeah. doesn't also have to mean the end of a relationship, right? I know that I am always committed if, just like you said, if there's someone who has outgrown the position, but there isn't something that we can put them in, I will help you find your next. I will be a reference yeah. and I will explain the situation so that people understand why a current, you know, leader is willing to talk to a future employer live about, yeah. you know, you joining their team and why it's not a setup. Um, and so, and I think that those are, are really interesting to me. This is like the exciting part of, you know, this concept of love as a business strategy, because when there's love there, this becomes so much more comfortable, easy, open, honest, transparent. You know, I can ask questions. You can ask me questions. You know, we can talk about like, get to the real stuff versus in many organizations I've seen where this gets sort of becomes that sort of corporate spin where everything is just sort of, here's your box, pack your stuff up, leave. Thank you so much. Like, give me your badge and you're out, out the door. Um, yeah. In those situations, exit interviews are not honest. You actually have people leave with a lot of tribal knowledge that didn't get passed on or transferred. But when you do it this way, some of those, like you get honesty. Hey, I love this. I didn't love this. Hey, yeah. you know, I started this project. Who do I need to transfer this over to? Because I want to make sure that they're set up for success, right? It's a totally different mindset for majority of those people that are exiting when it's done this way versus when you have to be cold and calculated and corporate about it. And like things are left in the balance. A lot of things are left in the balance. Yeah. Yeah. That That's that's absolutely right because it 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 also it also happens in our direction, right? Sometimes we lose people mm -hmm. that we don't want to lose, but it's because they. But and 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 then hopefully those relationships lead then to a much more open and a discussion from which we can learn, right? If it's if it's somebody that's saying, "Look, I'm leaving," but here's here are the reasons why, right? And I've, I've done as I've, I've grown as much as I can here. I need to go somewhere else. But then that leaves that opens the door for a a uh, a transition that's uh, well structured and that doesn't hinder the objectives objectives of the organization because you transfer and that it gives the organization the opportunity to learn from that person that now is in a position to, I mean, 
unfortunately, you don't want this. You don't want the exit interview to be where people finally are honest with you, right? But but in some cases, that is the case, right? That they go, well, since I'm leaving here, I'll tell you, this is this is one thing that I wish this organization did differently. Again, you want to have the environment where where you don't where those conversations don't happen. Don't wait for the exit interview, right? But but if if you do it well and that's what's going to happen, then at least you will learn from that and you will take that from from that process that could be painful and useless instead of painful and useful, right? And yeah. so this uh i've been uncharacteristically quiet but really enjoying kind of being a spectator to this uh trip through the memories and the <laughs> the uh <laughs> beginning and end of chris's time with you rod um i do want to kind of kind of bring it all together and, and kind of sh kind of talk about what i learned and i hope the audience got out of it as well because i think um we talk about and I think Chris alluded to this, we talk about love all the time and that we don't probably touch enough on this much more difficult subject of kind of what love looks like in the, the harder times or in the, um, you know, business side of things, to be honest, right? So love as a business strategy, um, the word business is there. And, and unfortunately, sometimes part of business includes these things that are just very difficult and must be done. And, um, I thought, you know, it was, got me thinking a lot, just, you know, Softway obviously, obviously has also gone through its ups and downs. We've had to make difficult business decisions. And it's really awesome to hear kind of, Chris, your inspiration for um, how we continue to work towards getting better and getting through those things coming from, um, from you, Rod, coming from the history that was there. Um, and it's really inspirational to see that, you know, that 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 culture is being passed on and carried through from your organization rod now through chris into our organization and so on um but it's, it's such a challenge and i think i think i got really uncomfortable hearing you talk just revisiting mm. um you know layoff situations things like that because it really challenges and puts your culture to the test it really um kind of exposes where trust really was or wasn't um you know, we go through the corporate version of layoffs when we don't have trust because when we don't, when we haven't built relationships, because that's, that's the safeguard. That's mm -hmm. the defense we have to get through it without having to be um, as real about it. And, and, and I think we've all been guilty of that or have experienced something like that um, before. So, yeah, so that's what I got out of it. And I think, um, yeah, as we kind of bring into close uh, here, um, just want to you know, really appreciate Rod, you and Chris, you're kind of like a guest to me today as well, because I just felt like I was going to be with you. Um, appreciate both of you for uh, the conversation today and just kind of having this very real, very honest moment, like a window, if you will, into, you know, the reality, the, the, the harder side of, of love as a business strategy. And I thought those, that these, um, just the sharing was really important for everybody here. So thank you so much. 
Awesome. And uh, as a favor to Rod, because he can't say this stuff, but I can. If you're a hotelier listening and you are in the need of a new revenue management system, <laughs> or if you need help figuring out how to make money, especially as we recover from COVID, please reach out to SHR. They are great people doing great things. And I would love to get some uh, business to Rod so he can keep up the great culture and continue the legacy <laughs> of love as a business strategy in that organization. So shameless plug, this is the hard sell. And after this, I'm sure it'll be a much more friendly and palatable conversation. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's great, thanks. That's it. That's Thanks, a love as a business strategy, as a podcast first for us, uh, a, an <laughs> unpaid advertisement yeah. directly in, in the show. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's going to send me a bill. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, Chris, do you want to do you want to plug uh, our book as well and our, our podcast? Yes, so, and hoteliers also, if you are interested for a great book to read, uh, "Love as a Business Strategy" is out available for purchase on all your favorite retailers, whether that be Amazon or Barnes and Nobles or you know Apple Books. So please support us if you want to understand how you can start learning or applying concepts from today's podcast as well as other um, sort of conversations. Feel free to pick up a copy. Well, you're very yeah, good. Yeah, I'll, I'll plug you back, man. I, I've, I've enjoyed <laughs> the book tremendously. I think it's a, I think it's a great read, and it's, it's fun. Um, it's, it's, it's fun going through tough times when it's, <laughs> you know, you're reading about him on somebody else's account, right? So, uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very relevant. And, and speaking of the hospitality industry, it's, it's tough to be a hotelier these days, right? And, and just by definition a hotel a hotelier the, the passion there is for a guest for the experience but that only comes from having the staff that can live that out and hospitality always comes from that place of sort of empathy and 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 passion and and, and loving somebody and having somebody else's interest in mind and so i think it'd be very relevant for anybody in the hotel industry, especially in in the type of environment that we have right now. Yeah. Are you listening, Absolutely. Marriott? Marriott is one of my dream clients, just FYI. Like <laughs> everybody knows that a software, like if Marriott picks up the phone and says, hey, Chris, like we have a project, like we're doing it like, for free. No, I'm kidding. But there you go. <laughs> really be, careful. Kind of, be careful. Be careful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like call me. I'm I'm intentionally mentioning this, so you know, <laughs> putting sound to the universe, Marriott, if you listen. Right. <laughs> well, whoever is listening, we really appreciate you joining us once again. As you might know, we do post every Wednesday new episodes, and hopefully, you enjoyed this one. If you do, leave us a review, five stars, likes, shares, all those things. We really appreciate it, and uh, once again, really appreciate Rod and you, Chris today for this conversation and with that i'll be signing off and we'll see you next week